Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Orioles on the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And we're going to get into some news out of spring training on tonight's episode, including some injuries that could have an effect on the roster, especially with the Orioles pitching staff. But at first, we're going to start out by welcoming some new members of our Patreon community. And with that, I'll turn it over to Bob. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the show is just being able to shout these guys out, these people out, excuse me, that uh, are supporting us, help us do what we do. So thank you for becoming patrons, Justin Florian, Stephen Perry, and Jamie Jeffries. Really appreciate it. As a reminder, you can become a paying member of our Patreon community for as little as $3 a month. Right now, we are in the final stages of our Top 50 Prospects Countdown, so you won't want to miss that. And remember, patrons have that first through exclusive bonus daily episodes. We'll get into now the news that broke in Orioles spring training last week. And although it was not a recent development, it was recent to the public as Michael Elias revealed some injuries to the Orioles starting rotation, the biggest of which was to Kyle Bradis. Bradis, who many were penciling into the Orioles' number two starter this season after a breakout 2023, is dealing with a UCL sprain right now in his right elbow. He did begin a light throwing session last week, but all indications are that he will begin the season on the IL. For now, the Orioles are not counting on Tommy John surgery, at least publicly for Bradis who appears that he's going to try to work his way back and get on the mound at some point this year. John Means, meanwhile, is behind schedule in ramping up. We did know that Means had a little bit of an injury concern that kept him off the playoff roster last year. That did appear to affect his offseason program, and although there appears to be some hope that we could see him starting in April, he is likely to begin the year on the IL as well. So the Orioles... Down, they're number two, and depending on which projections you looked at, number four or number five starters out of the gate, that's likely to have an effect on the bullpen because two guys who were slotted into relief roles and Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin now seem to be the odds-on favorite to take the rotation spots left behind by Bradis and Means injuries. Of course, there could be other options, and that's what I'm going to dive into tonight. Nick, I'm going to start with you because you told us last week when this news broke that you were unusually down. Uh, how are you feeling now that we're a week removed from this news coming out? I guess a little bit better. But yeah, that was that was a real gut punch just because like, you get all the photos of guys arriving the day before and then first day of workouts come and then it's like, bam, Basayo's injured, means is delayed, Gunner's injured. And then the hammer, you've got Kyle Bradish and UCL in the same sentence. And that, that like, it stunned me. I think, I think I texted you guys and said, I'm dead inside. Um, like, you expect to hear 
like the things that are bothering guys, things that crept up in the offseason, like that, that's first day of stuff, right? You send Michael Ice goes out there and takes the bullet there and reads off the injured list. But like we as fans had no idea. And it's you you got the first day camp stuff, but we're also just riding this high of this organization just traded for that ace that we've all been demanding for in, in Corbin Burns. And I know like you know, some people say, hey, we didn't Orioles didn't even have to give up much to get Corbin Burns. Like, yeah, they did. They gave up a lot to get Corbin Burns for potentially just one year of Corbin Burns. But like John Mueller said, this type of move that championship teams make. We didn't know that Bradish was injured. And so now we're riding that high and bam, Bradish, UCL. Like, I know some people remain pretty optimistic even with the news um, because Elias said initially, and he's continued to say, I think, that they don't think that Bradish is going to be out for the year. But Elias and the organization can say whatever they want. Uh, why would they say anything else other than they expect the best? I'm still operating under the assumption, though, that we very well may not see Kyle Bradish this year. We could make there's a chance we may not see Kyle Bradish until what, late 2025. Uh, that I think that's still a very real chance. Um, and it was just the fact that he emerged as, like you mentioned, one of the top starting pitchers in all of baseball. And that I think that was one of the biggest developments of last year for this team. Yes, what Gunner and Adley and all these guys did was great, but Kyle Bradish emerging as one of the top pitchers in all of baseball was massive. And there's still more room for him to grow. Hopefully we get to see that this year. But yeah, I was, uh, I don't know. I feel I do feel a little bit better. You see him working out a little bit and everything on the field and, and with the team. But in the back of my mind, I, I'm still fearing the worst, to be honest. Yeah, not the news you want to hear. It's always the scariest day is the first day of spring when it's like, all right, let's find out what happened in the off season that we didn't know about till now was definitely the first thing you hear UCL injury. Not good. How many people really does the PRP injection work for and stick for? Um, then apparently it's much more often than, than I assumed when I first saw the news, just the, the details of the treatment and the percentages and depends on the type of, strain type one or type two strain seems like it's better than 50% chance. And I completely understand you avoid the knife if you can. So if, even if there's like a 40% chance, I think you probably take that chance to uh, be able to pitch again this year. So yeah, uh, everyone seems in good spirits and I do believe what they're saying that they don't expect. doesn't, they don't expect him to miss the season and, and get Tommy John surgery, but you cannot rule it out at the same time. It could certainly, pop up again at any point in his throwing progression. He's already thrown three times. They haven't changed their tune. I feel like we'll know by the time he's on the mound and, and throw in full full effort, then I think we'll know pretty quickly, like, is this working or, or did it not? So definitely terrible. Sucks. <laughs> There's no way around it. But at least we did get Corbin Burns. And I don't think that that trade was, like, in response to the injury. I think they would have made that trade regardless. But it definitely would take a little bit of the the upside of that if uh even luckily the Orioles have early uh the schedule early on as we talked about last week is pretty pretty light so even if he just comes back in May or June that'll be great but man it would have been nice to have those three at the top all season long not going to get that just hopefully hopefully they're right the PRP works and uh, we get Bradish back this year but you can't rule out that he might have to get Tommy John at some point no, you can't at this point, especially because this popped up in January when he was starting his throwing program. 
And he's now in a throwing progression in Sarasota, but it's very light throwing. We're not talking about him being on the mound or doing long toss at this point. So he's got a ways to go before we start talking about how he looks off the mound, whether or not you can pencil in minor league rehab assignments. And as we saw with Dylan Tate last year, the minor league rehab assignments don't always mean that the guy's automatically going to come back. Tate was dealing with a different kind of injury, but you still have to factor that in with Bradis. So I think that it makes the Corbin Burns trade better. I agree with Bob that I don't think it was a move out of desperation because frankly, the price the Orioles paid was not a desperate price. And I don't think Michael Elias is very reactionary in his moves. But now that you have Burns, this does make it a little bit easier to swallow, even if your rotation looks worse at the beginning of the year. Let's talk about means for a minute, because I had actually just put out a projected roster on our Substack not long before this news broke that unfortunately had Braddis and Means in the uh, starting rotation. If that article had come out a little later, it would have reflected these injuries. But I even noted in there that the Orioles probably couldn't count on a whole lot from means this season and that maybe they would consider making him their fifth starter at the beginning of the year rather than their fourth because that could theoretically allow them to skip some starts early in the year. So just to get, I'll go back to Nick here, just to get your thoughts on means. I think we had kind of been tempering expectations because means has not had a full season in three years now. He had that injury at the end of the season last year that kept him off the playoff roster. Knowing what we know so far, what is realistic to expect with John Means in 2024? I saw this. I saw some other people talking about the Means situation. And yes, it's good news that this isn't a new injury. It's a continuation, I guess. It's delayment from what happened at the end of the year, which is, is better news. But I can't remember exactly who said this. I'm pretty sure someone who listens to the show. So sorry, I'm stealing your thought here. But I saw it on Twitter and I agreed with it. Uh, and, and basically they said coming into this year, they thought anything you got from means this year was they were considering a bonus. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's how I view John means this year, to be honest, because like you mentioned, he had 23 innings last year. He had eight innings in 2022. So it's been since 2021 where he had a full workload. He's only had 2020 exception because the COVID year, but still he's only pitched two full seasons in major league baseball, 146 innings in 2021, and then 155 innings in 2019. He's not a young chicken anymore. Like he's how old is he actually? He's almost 31. He turns 31 uh, in April. So, I mean, I don't know anything you do get out of him. I, I like that thought that, you consider that a bonus this year. I, I kind of assumed anyway that, you know, this was probably determined when he went down last year, when he started feeling that the agitation or whatever it was technically, I, I'm sure at some point, not too long after that, the organization probably sat down with him, like exit interviews or however the Orioles operate there. And we're like, look, we're going to slow play this through the off season. And they, it was probably established months ago that he could potentially start the year on the IL because they prefer to have John Means ready for the end of season, ready for the playoffs, because he hasn't pitched so many innings in a very long time. You can't expect this 30, 31-year-old guy who's still relatively fresh off Tommy John surgery 
now to come out and pitch 160, 170 innings and pitch into late October, hopefully in, even into November. So skipping starts, like Zach mentioned, um, maybe even predetermined, we're going to slow play this and start you on the IL and you'll come back a month into the year. That way, hopefully you do stay fresh for the end of the year. But it's, it's it all comes back to that. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the John means. It's just when you add the Bradish thing on top of it, it's just kind of like a, an extra that that gut punch is a little extra harder, but I, I kind of assumed something like this was was probably going to happen with means this year. Yeah, and that's it, right? When you when I first heard the news, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Another injury after he just got a setback in September?" And then once you hear the more details, it makes a lot more sense. Where it's like, yeah, like you said, that this is almost like slow playing him on purpose so that if you don't want him fading out late in the season like a Tyler Wells, no offense, Tyler, uh, did last year. You want him to be able to, you know, maybe he starts a month late, even if it's just a couple weeks. Hopefully that's enough to keep him fresh down the stretch run into the playoffs if you need him, even at that point if you need to move him into the bullpen. But, yeah, again, it's not ideal. But I think, what did we say, like 120 innings maybe for him? So if this is the way they got to do it, then – it makes a lot of sense. It just compacted with the Bradish news, made it that much worse. Um, if it was just if Bradish was fine and this was the Means news, it'd be like, okay, Cole Irvin can step in and and make a handful of starts until Means is fully ready. But now it's like your your depth is we have decent depth, thank goodness, but it's a uh, it's running at full capacity, I'd say at this point. Well, let's use that as a segue because right now the odds on favorite given their track records to take these rotation spots have to be Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. You add a right-hander and conveniently another left-hander to replace John means that would also open up a couple of spots in the bullpen at the same time, though, the remaining pitching market in free agency, there is an unusually long list of pitchers out there at this point as we're approaching late February. Would the two of you, and I'll go back to Nick to start this one, how confident are you in Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin at least being able to get the Orioles through the first few months of the season? Um, but, you know, is there an alternative you would prefer to see over those two guys? Outside of the top tier, like Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. I was going to say, so we can't just say Blake Snell. Um, yeah. No, that, it's not going to be those guys. Um, I... I'm honestly fine. Like, all right, we moved past the Bradish thing. It, it happened. Let's hope for the best, right? The mean situation, like we mentioned, kind of expecting something like that. Skipping starts, limited workload to keep him hopefully fresh for the end of the year. Moving forward, though, I, honestly, in sitting here thinking about it, I, I still feel fine with this rotation. I still feel fine with the bullpen. We're probably going to throw out a lot of names here over the next 20, 30 minutes. But, like, I, I do think it. Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin – I don't. I wouldn't say they're locks, but do have the inside track. I'm, I'm probably gonna. I'm gonna go on a limb too and say when Andy Costco was on last week fighting for Tyler Wells, he didn't wasn't anticipating Tyler Wells getting into the rotation this way. But I I think the conversation about Tyler Wells has never been like he's not good enough to start. And I know I know we've gotten some comments. I think there's like comment on YouTube or something. A couple on Twitter. I know we got and questions. Not like people like what are you guys talking about? Not the trolls, but like genuine questions from people. Like why aren't more people like 
talking like Andy did last week about Tyler Wells and his ability to be a starter. Everyone's just assuming he's going to be in the bullpen. Well, I, I think no one ever was slotting him into the bullpen because he's not good enough to be a starter. It was just that fatigue. It was just hitting the wall for the last two years. So I'm confident in Wells being moved in. And Irvin actually pulled his numbers again. I, I think I would consider Tyler Wells as close to a lock as possible now. And I think it's Irvin's job to lose. But when you look at the way he ended last year, 33 innings pitched, 2.43 ERA, a 0.87 whip. He had a 3% walk rate over the final two months of the season. Hopefully he unlocks something there. Uh, if so, fantastic. Um, he doesn't have to be that great, obviously, for two, three months in the rotation until hopefully Bradish comes back. But I think if Means is back in a month or so and Bradish can come back middle of the season, Bob mentioned the schedule. I'm not going to say it's an easy schedule, but it is favorable to the Orioles the first month or two. I think you can roll with this and be perfectly fine and set up for a pretty strong uh, push to the playoffs by the end of the year. Yeah, I think I wouldn't say guaranteed or, or locked in because I do think, you know, the Orioles could go out and sign a Michael Lorenzen type just to fit in the rotation in the beginning of the season, shift easily into a relief role once everybody's healthy, knock on wood, if everyone gets healthy, no more injuries. Or they could even still trade for a Dylan Cease, a Jesus Lazardo. I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think the odds aren't great, probably more closer to the trade deadline if something like that was going to happen. But you know, it could could be the case. So that's why I'd put like 90% chance it's going to be Irvin and Wells uh, in the last few spots of the rotation. And like Nick said, I think there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. If you take away Irvin's like early season stint where he was getting shelled a little bit early on uh, last season, once he came back, I felt like he was fine. Like he was, he was pretty good. And I think he's reliable. You know, he can give you the innings, you know, He's not going to walk a ton of batters. Just let him do his thing at the back end of the rotation, and I think this offense and bullpen can can have his back enough to easily be able to have him fill the void until Means is back or or hopefully Bradish is back. And then, yeah, Tyler Wells, especially in the first half, I'm not worried at all. I mean, we know what he can do in the first half of a season while he's got all of his, his juice flowing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think – I think, like I was saying last week with Andy and Danielle in here, maybe you design it in a way where, hey, Tyler Wells, you're a starter till the also break, and then we'll we'll see where we stand. And if if Bradish is healthy, means is back, everything's looking good. He, you know, we trade for a pitcher, what have you. We want you to just go into that bullpen and dial it up like you did it when you came back at the end of last year, and and see what you can do from there. So. Yeah, not too worried, especially in the regular season. I mean, the Orioles won 101 games last year with uh, a worse rotation than they have right now, even with Bradish means out, I would say. So regular season, it's going to be fine. You can survive other ways to win games. Get everyone healthy or at least get your starting rotation lined up for the playoffs. I want Burns, Bradish, Rodriguez, top three when the playoffs roll around. That's, that's the dream. And if Bradish is out, you're getting someone at the trade deadline. It's got to be someone pretty decent too. So that's that's where the worry starts to kick in if these injuries drag on or if there's new ones that pop up. 
Well, and the Orioles still still have the depth to go out and get rotation help now. Who knows? There could be some other need that we're not anticipating right now that is equally pressing at the trade deadline. So let's we'll see how things play out. But Nick, to go back to your point about Irvin, one thing that jumps out at me is that for as bad as he was in the first month of the season, he still ended the year with improved strikeout numbers over what he had done in his best years in Oakland. And when you look through his game log, you're going to see a lot of two-inning relief outings, especially late in the year. But you go back to August and early September, when the Orioles were using a six-man rotation after the Jack Flaherty trade, Irvin put together some good starts for them. And if the threshold of success for Cole Irvin is five to six innings, three runs allowed every five days, I think that's perfectly reasonable and is at least going to keep you in games. Is it as good as what we were hoping for from Kyle Bradis? Absolutely not. It's probably not as good as John Means on his best day, but it's still workable, especially with the talent you have elsewhere on this roster. Yeah, he had a couple a couple of these starts here. Like Seattle against Seattle and Oakland on the road. These are actually great starts. Five innings apiece, uh, one combined run, two walks, nine strikeouts. But then he had these starts against Colorado and then Arizona. Six innings, six hits, four runs, one walk, five strikeouts against Colorado. Five and two-thirds, eight hits, four runs, one walk, four strikeouts against Arizona. If that's that's around the the kind of start you're going to get from Cole Irvin every five, six days or so as your number five, I like this bullpen enough, like you mentioned, to, to have his back. I really do, even though D.L. Hall is gone, who I had in the bullpen, even though Wells and Irvin are now in the rotation, I do still really like this bullpen. There are still some major question marks, but I do still think that there is there are some guys here that will be able to kind of pick up where he left off uh, and keep guys in the game. And this offense, like this offense is going to score runs. I do feel confident about that. Some of these guys are older, more mature now. We've seen this offense go streaky, but at the same time, like you can live with those kind of th- those kind of game logs from Cole Irvin as your number five for hopefully, even if it's just a month until John Means comes back. And like you said, it's not a new injury with John Means, so I'm not too concerned there where we can then bump Irvin down to the bullpen, and now he can do, like he finished, two and two-thirds, no earned runs against Boston, two shutout against St. Louis, two more shutout against Boston. We can get that Cole Irvin for the rest of the season. I'll take it. Uh, I'll take it every single day because the alternative is is way, way worse. That's that's livable. That's doable. That will help get you to the playoffs. Yeah, ideally, he's that multi-inning reliever, swing man, spot starter. When you need someone, perfect role for Irvin. But I did pull up like his first three starts of the year, first couple weeks in April. He had 15 runs in 12 and two-thirds, eight walks in 12 and two-thirds. That's not Cole Irvin. <laughs> 10.66 ERA. Got sent down, came back May 20th from that point on when, when he was in the majors, 3.20 ERA over 64 and two-thirds innings, 13 walks in 64 in two-thirds innings compared to eight in 12 and two-thirds. Plus, he pitched really well and down in AAA while he was down there too. So I just think even his FIP was a little bit higher, but 4.24 over the rest of his season, that's what you would expect. So I think he just got off to a bad start made things look a lot worse than it actually was. And, and yeah, Cole Irvin is fine for a back end of the rotation. And I mean, I know obviously he's out of options now, but 
he's still a guy that has what four years of team control no three years of team control left so i think you're going to see cole irvin in an orioles uniform for for some time and i think he's a very valuable player to have yeah this is i mean this to go back to the Doe Hernandez trade, and I've heard, you know, everybody's, the baseball podcast are heating up and, and they're on fire right now, and I love it. But I, I've heard a few different podcasts, national, not A's affiliates, not Orioles affiliates, but national podcasts, and they're going to bring up the Doe Hernandez trade for Cole Irvin and talk about how that was a bust and that was a terrible trade for the Orioles. Like, not to relitigate all of that, but when you traded for Cole Irvin, I feel like this is kind of what you were anticipating. I don't think when, when you traded for him, you saw the multiple years of control. You saw a guy, I'm pretty sure we we referenced this when the trade went down. He's a guy who, yeah, the ceiling isn't astronomical. You're not going to bring him into the organization and turn him into you know a, a Kyle Bradish, a number two or number three in this rotation. But this is a guy who clearly the Orioles identified as someone they like, as having someone's having traits that they really like. They think they can make the tweaks, make some adjustments, get him in here and he can be a quality number five swing man, long relief guy. It's going to take some time though. And we saw that last year and this organization made the tweaks and at least last year it worked. Can he pick up from where he left off last year, this year? Hopefully. Uh, but I, I think we're, we're sitting pretty with Cole Irvin there. And I could say like, we're sitting pretty Cole Irvin's going to take the ball in a playoff series. We're good to go. But like, again, just to get us to the playoffs, like, Look at Texas's rotation last year. That team won a World Series. I mean, this team, this roster with Burns and Bradish or Burns and Rodriguez leading the way, hopefully Bradish. I still feel good. Still feel great. Let's pivot now to some prospect news. And this is also injury related. The Orioles revealed last week that Samuel Basayo is dealing with a stress fact fracture in his right elbow and probably won't catch until late April at the earliest. By that point, he would be about a few weeks into the minor league season, presumably at double-A buoy. The good news for now is that the possibility of Basayo making appearances at the plate during spring training has not been ruled out. So if you wanted to see Basayo in a spring training game with the Orioles as a non-roster invitee in the coming weeks, all hope is not lost. It's probably just going to be as a DH as he deals with this throwing issue. Bob, I'll start with you. This is a setback, but perhaps in the grand scheme of things, not a major one. What are your thoughts? <laughs> My first reaction was like, you have got to be, we're a kid-friendly podcast, kidding me. <laughs> because I'm like, no way. We just lost one of the best prospects in baseball for the year. When I just, all I heard was like broken elbow, basically. And I was like, oh no. But I really think it's almost nothing at this point. Because it happened, it sounded like it happened in November. So he's pretty much pretty close to recovered from it. Obviously, they're going to be very careful. He's still taking batting practice. He's still hitting bombs. I think he saw there was some video where he was just crushing the ball in a, in a cage. And I was like, all right, it's fine. If they're still going to run him out there, if they're still having him on the field, hitting batting practice and stuff, like, not worried. Um Mike Elias said this is just something that happens with younger kids, and I guess it, it makes some sense, the level of baseball that these young international kids are playing from the age of 16, like training professionally from that age. It's probably not great for your elbow. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, breathe a really 
big sigh of relief once I realized it wasn't as serious as it at first sounded when I just saw the thing flash up on my feed. So, yeah, um, not too worried. Hopefully, the fact that he's still at Major League Camp, even though he can't throw, can't really do catcher stuff, that's encouraging. If he's going to actually get in games and stick around for a tiny bit, I mean, probably not as long as he would have if he was able to throw the ball, but the fact that he's sticking around, that kind of says a lot on its own right there. He is. He was 18, turned 19 at the end of last season. So he's an 18-year-old kid who is – that is – that's not a kid body. That is – he he's listed at 6'3", 180. That's completely false. Uh, this is a ginormous human being. And so I think the stress of playing across three levels – he also – he was behind the plate for 68 games, 570 innings behind the plate. He went three levels. Uh, he's trying to grow into this grown man body when he is a child himself still. Uh, I I think like, I do believe Elias when he says that. That's just kind of natural. Um, a lot of stress on that arm last year at a young age as he's still developing physically. I'm not concerned at all. Like it's, and it, it's fine. Whatever you get out of Basayo, Basayo doesn't have to be a great catcher. Basayo doesn't have to be some elite defensive catcher. He just has to be good enough, I think, behind the plate because the value with Basayo, it it's the bat. It, it's more than the bat too, but it's the big thing is the bat. So DH first base, if that's where he's going to spend a lot of his time, that's fine. Like you said, the video, I grabbed it from Instagram. He, I think one of the baseballs, he literally pulverized into nothing. Like it just disappeared from frame instantly. The elbow's fine. He's he's going to be hitting home runs at Prince George's Stadium in, in a month, two months, whatever it is, and all will be good. Yeah. <laughs> if he was a DH, like if he literally could not play the field, if he was a Jordan Alvarez, like career DH, at 19 years old coming into this season, he would still be a top 20 prospect, I feel like. Because like you said, the value is in his bat. There was a, a tweet from Brendan Tuma on Twitter uh, today or a couple days ago, actually, that says highest WRC plus for an 18 year old at high A since 2006. I'll start from the bottom. Mike Trout, 117. Kiebert Ruiz, 119. Jackson Churio, 119. Wanda Franco, 157. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh my God, remember that epic, historic minor league season he had? 179. Samuel Basayo, 195. 195 and he got to double a and batted like 571 there over uh, 12 at bats or, so, or something like that so yeah he's special and the bat is special he could literally be one-armed and i think he'd still be uh, a pretty pretty valuable guy yeah in long term this doesn't have to this is not going to have an effect on whether or not he makes the major leagues as a captor it's really not you know the there's going to be more that makes or breaks his chances of sticking behind the plate than a lost month in his age 19 season. And if you look over the course of the full year, there are plenty of opportunities for the Orioles to make up for lost time if feasible. They could send him to Norfolk at the end of the season. The, their season runs a few weeks longer. There are some extra opportunities to catch. There will probably be some sort of postseason work, whether that's in Sarasota or the Arizona Fall League. You also have this new academy in Dominican Republic where Basayo could work out in the offseason. And with good drill work, could not lose any progress on his development behind the plate. So if anyone's thinking that far ahead, realize that 
these few weeks are not going to change. It's not going to be what changes anything. Something else will affect whether or not the Sire six mind the plate, but it won't be this. I don't even think this damages his chances to make it to the major leagues at the end of the season <laughs> because he's not going to be the backup catcher if he were to come up in September or even just like sneak onto the postseason roster somehow or come up in September like a Heston Curse had last year. If that's the case, it's for his bat. It's not for his glove or his arm at that point. So I'm still uh, clinging to pipe dreams over here. Yeah, I'm I'm never going to a minor league game this year uh, to go watch Sammy Basayo catch. Like, just, just not happening. I never will. Never have, never will. Um, I'm not going to go to an Orioles game when hopefully he's in an Orioles uniform. I'm not going to go to watch him work behind the plate. I'm going to go watch him. I'm going to go to watch him hit the warehouse. Uh, that's that's what I'm going to see Sammy Basaya for. So, yeah, that injury, it was like, oh, that's that's a bummer. But once it, it took like 30 seconds and I was good there. But zero concerns whatsoever. Well, in our episode later this week, we're going to take a little bit of a broader look at the fallout from some of these injuries, but also some other developments out of spring training as we have our spring training predictions episode. You won't want to miss that. In the meantime, you can follow us on our many social media channels, including Facebook, X, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can also find us on Patreon and at Substack at OriolesOnTheBirds.Substack.com. Nick has started to ramp up our draft coverage, and it's something that we'll probably dive into here on the show in a few weeks. But for now, if you want to check that out, subscribe to our Substack or become a paying member of our Patreon community, and we will add you to that mailing list. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden, and you've been listening to Orioles on the Birds, part of the Believe Podcast Network.